This message was recorded during a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Let's pray and then we'll seek to use our time well. God, our Father, we thank you for all the scriptures. We thank you that these Old Testament scriptures make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And we pray that in this short time that we've got, we might um, profit from considering the book of Job. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. So my history with the book of Job is that uh, when I was coming, uh, brothers and sisters, come and sit down. Uh, as always, there are some seats at the front. There are always seats at the front in any Christian meeting. And people don't usually sit in them in my country and I think in yours as well. So come and uh, come and come and join us. Come, come and join us. <laughs> So my history with the book of Job is that when I was a local church pastor just outside Cambridge in England, um, I decided uh, to preach a short series of sermons on the book of Job. I can't remember how many I preached. I think it was about seven and I learned a lot and they seemed to be appreciated. Later, I wrote them up as a, a little book called Out of the Storm, which was published in the UK in, uh, oh, I can't remember when it was, 2004, I think quite a long time ago. Um, Crossway are going to publish it in the, in the States, but probably not till 2021. That's a little introduction to the book of, of Job. And then Kent Hughes asked if I would write um, a commentary on Job in, in a series that Crossway published called Preaching the Word. And that was published a few years ago. Um, and it's called Job, the Wisdom of the Cross. Uh, there's some copies in the bookstall. It's a, it's a, it's a longish commentary. People tell me it's quite readable. And um, I think it's been a blessing to, 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 to some. Uh, I, I wrote it, well, I wrote part of it paradoxically while I was having a, what I think you'd probably call a nervous breakdown in 2012. There's a sort of curious appropriateness about that, <laughs> writing a commentary on the book of Job. I would go to my desk and I think, why did I ever sign the contract to write this wretched commentary? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a friend suggested I should maybe write a book on very great wealth and see if the same sort of correspondence <laughs> worked out in, in life. It's worth a try, isn't it? <laughs> now, I've been trying to think what to do. Uh, you, you've got that little um, piece that I did for the Desiring God website called Lost in the Land of Us, um, the land where Job um, was from. And that's a kind of introduction. I don't want simply to repeat that. that. That's a kind of, that's saying, you know the book of Job is part of the scriptures. You know it's part of what we call the Old Testament. You know the, the Old Testament, the scriptures are meant to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Uh, and you read the book of Job and you, you put your hands up and you say, I don't know how it's supposed to make me wise for salvation through faith in Christ. It's very puzzling. So let me just give you a really quick tour of the, of the structure of the book. This is like we'll take a private jet and we'll just go over the book at enormous speed just to get a feel for it and why you get lost. So the, the chapter one, verses one, to, you might like to have it open and turn the pages quite quickly. Chapter one, verses one to five introduces Job. Uh, in, 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 in prose, um, and we're told about Job, and we're told, verse 1, that he's blameless and upright. 
and he fears God and he turns from evil. That doesn't mean he's sinless. There's only one man who's been sinless, but it means he's a genuine believer. Blameless means he's the same on the inside as he is on the outside. He's not pretending, he's not a hypocrite, he's genuine and he's upright. He lives, he lives rightly, he, he fears God, he turns from evil, he lives the life of a, a believer. You're told that in, in verse one. And then verses one to five introduce him. Chapter one, verse six, through to chapter two, verse 10, tell us what happens to him. And it is terrible. We're reasonably familiar with that if you've been a Bible reader for a while. That's quite, quite well known, that story. It's a dreadful, dreadful um, story, but it's really significant. Just notice chapter one, verse eight, where the Lord says to Satan, um, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth. He's, he's, a, he's a tremendous guy. He's a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns from evil. That's almost the same as verse one. He's blameless, genuine, upright. He lives rightly. He fears God he, with, with a loving, reverent fear and he turns from evil. He repents. So he's a believer. So we've heard it from the, 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 the narrator in verse one. We've heard it from the Lord in verse eight. And you think this is really important. Glance at chapter two, verse three. Again, the Lord says to Satan, same thing. He's blameless. He's upright. He fears God. He turns from evil. So by the time you get to that, you're reading the book from the beginning and you're thinking, OK, I've now been told three times that, 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 that Job is blameless, upright, fears God, turns from evil. He's a genuine believer. And you really need to clock that. But because before very, very long, you'll be wondering if it's true. It's really, really important that you get hold of that. You've heard it once from the, the narrator right up front, twice from the Lord. So you think, OK, this is really, really important. Chapter two, verse 11 to 13, Job's three friends are introduced to us and they come from different parts of the world and they're, 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 they're wise men with the wisdom of the world. They're thinkers. They think how the world works. Uh, they're horrified when they meet Job. Uh, they weep and they sit with him in silence, which is what you do with a corpse. Job might as well be dead. And they sit with him for seven days like you do in silence with, when somebody's died. He might as well be dead um, as they just sit with him. They're so horrified. That's the first part of the book. It's relatively um, short, but Job's three friends introduced. And then the really confusing bit starts. So chapter three, Job um, laments. He's not talking to anybody. It's like a, a soliloquy. He's talking to himself and it's really, really dark. And when I preached this, we had, a, we had an evening service in our church with no music. Isn't that weird? Oh boy, it was weird. It was really, I can still remember it. I remember saying to our church the week before, I said, next Sunday evening, we're not gonna have any music. So if you only come for the music, you may not wanna come. So of course they all came because whatever reason they actually came for, they didn't want me to think they only came for the music. That's the kind of mean trick that a, that a pastor plays. So they all came. It was a very sobering evening as we listened to Job's lament. And then in chapter four, you begin 
three cycles of speeches. So Eliphaz speaks in chapters four and five, the first of the friends, and he makes a long speech. And then Job replies in chapters six and seven. And then Bildad, the second friend, speaks in chapter eight and makes a speech. And Job replies in chapters nine and 10. Eliphaz, Job, Bildad, Job. And then Zophar, the third friend, speaks in chapter 11. And Job replies in chapters 12 to 14. And then you, you start all over again. Chapter uh, 15, Eliphaz speaks, the first friend. 16 and 17, Job replies. 18, Bildad speaks. 19, Job replies. 20, Zophar speaks. 21, Job replies. So you've had Eliphaz, Job, Bildad, Job, Zophar, Job, Eliphaz, Job, Bildad, Job, Zophar, Job. And then you start the third cycle. 22, Eliphaz speaks. 23 and 24, Z um, Job replies. 25, Bildad makes a really short speech, really short, just six verses. Um, 26, Job replies, and so far doesn't get a third look in. The, the, the cycles of speeches kind of come to an end at that point. Then in 27 and 28, Job speaks. 27, he, he kind of sums up. Job takes up his discourse and says, he's, it's a sort of summing up speech. And 28, which we'll focus on in a minute, is a continuation of his summing up um, speech. And then in 29, 30 and 31, Job makes his final defence. 29, 30, 31, um, Job makes his final defence um, against his, um, his friends and in the presence of God. And that ends the main middle section of the, of the book that's run from the end of chapter 2 all the way through to the end of chapter 31. Now, if you find yourself in the middle of that long section, oh boy, you'll be lost. You know, if you if you if you I hope you do, you know, read through the Bible in a year or two years or whatever pattern you use to read through the Bible. I hope you do just read great chunks of the Bible. And when you get to, you know, you'll probably get a bit stuck in Leviticus. You think, oh, I don't know what this is all about. But you'll certainly get stuck in Job and you'll be reading these chapters and you'll be thinking, I don't know what this is about. I really don't know. Is, is that right? You know, you'll smile in church and pretend you know it's what it's about. <laughs> but actually, you won't have a faintest idea what it's about. You'll think, I don't know what's going on here. Then you get the, the final section of the book, chapter 32, verses 1 to 5. Uh, a, an, another character is introduced in prose. He's called Elihu. Uh, so, so chapter 32, verse 1, these three men, that's Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar, they stopped answering Job uh, because he was righteous in his own eyes. In other words, Job insisted that he was genuine, which he was. He's not self-righteous, but they, they think he's, a, he's an unrepentant sinner, but they're wrong. And then Elihu comes in, who's a younger man, and he's really angry, verse 2. He's angry with Job because Job is, 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 is saying that he's, he's right uh, and that God's wrong. He's angry, verse 3, with Job's friends because he doesn't think they've done a very good job in declaring Job to be in the wrong. And then he begins to speak and he makes um, a number of speeches. His first speech goes from 32, verse 6, to the end of 33, quite a long speech. 
Then he makes a second speech in chapter 34, a third speech in chapter 35, and a fourth speech in chapters 36 and 37. And if you read commentaries, people disagree about Elihu as to quite what to make of him. I changed my mind. My first little book, I thought Elihu was a bit of a mixture. Some of what he said was right and some was wrong. By the time I wrote my long commentary, I came to the conclusion, I think he's a goodie. I think he's a kind of Elijah figure. I think he's a genuine prophet and he's speaking right. But my position is a minority position. You, you wouldn't want to go to the stake for that. Um, and all sorts, of, all sorts of very wise people don't agree with me about that. He's a bit, he is a bit puzzling, Elihu. But then, um, it's, but he begins to answer Job. Then in chapter 38, and, and this is where you get, it's, it's a little bit like chapters one and two, you think I kind of know where I am. And chapter three, the sat-nav breaks down. You know, you've got no network. You don't know where you are from chapter 33 to the chapter 37. You're, you're driving around and you think, I don't know where I am. Please, please, Lord, give me network. Um, please may the sat-nav reconnect so I know where I am. Chapter 38, you get the Lord's speeches and you're thinking, ah, I know where I am. I recognize this bit. And the Lord makes two speeches. The first runs through 38 and 39. And just the, the first two verses of chapter 40, a long speech from the Lord, very famous. And then Job replies in chapter 40, verses 3, 4, 5, just a brief reply. And then the Lord speaks again in 40, verse 6, through to the end of um, chapter 41. Well, and, and then Job answers at the beginning of 42, and then from 42, verse 7 to the end, there's a, a conclusion to the, to the book. So it's a long and a complicated book. And the question is, what are you going to do with it? In the uh, Desiring God piece that you've got, I've given you some pointers. And I've given you, given you a number of pointers, including, remember, it is supposed to help you to trust Jesus. Uh, to keep asking yourself that question. I've given you pointers like, Watch the markers at the beginning that we, we touched on. One verse one, blameless, upright, fears God, turns from evil. One verse eight, blameless, upright, fears God, turns from evil. Two verse three, blameless, upright, fears God, turns from evil. Job is genuine. He's a real believer. He's not perfect, not sinless, but he's a real believer. The other marker that the markers I've given you are at the end. So chapter 42, verse seven, um, the Lord says to the first friend, Eliphaz, my anger burns against you and your two friends, that Eliphaz, Bildad and Zophar, because you've not spoken of me what's right. So that's a really important marker. When you're reading, reading the friends, you're thinking at the end of the book, God is going to say they're wrong. So don't do what, what a youth leader did once with, with, with me in a youth camp which is to take an extract of a speech from one of Job's friends. And we did a Bible study on it and thought how wonderful it was, which is a dodgy thing to do when God says at the end it's wrong. <laughs> and the thing about Job's friends is that they say some things which are right. They say a number of things which are right, but taken as a whole, they get it wrong. Um, there's one New Testament quotation where Paul quotes from one of Job's f comforters with approval. So, you know, they do say things that are right. 
it's clear they say things that are right. You look through and you, you think, well, that's obviously right. I know from the rest of the Bible that's right. Um, but taken as a whole, their message is, 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 is wrong. Um, the other uh, marker I've given you at the end is that Job, at the end, he does repent. So uh, particularly chapter 42, verse 2, he says to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Um, and he says, verse 3, I've uttered what I didn't understand. I've said things I shouldn't have said, things too wonderful. Um, I despise myself, I repent in dust and ashes. So Job does repent. And those, those markers are really interesting because Job's friends say Job has sinned and he's not repented and that's why he's being punished. So Job's friends have a really simple system. Bad things are happening to you so you must have done bad things and not repented, not been forgiven. They say he sinned and that's why he's being punished. And the Lord says, no, that's wrong. That's not, it's not that he's sinned and he's being punished. That's the religion, that's most human religion. A friend who works amongst Muslims was saying it's very characteristic of Islam, um, that. But it's true of, of most human religion. And, and you know, we live in a moral universe. Bad things happen to you, it must be because you've been bad. Uh, you get you get it in um, in um, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of that world famous movie. Um, yeah, it'll come back to me later. This happens. You get these senior moments. Um, uh, it'll 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 come back to me. It'll come back to me later. Um, but it, that's that's human religion, isn't it? You do bad things, bad things happen to you. You do good things, good things happen to you. Good things happen to you means you must have done good things. Bad things happen to you means you just must have done bad things. That's their, that's their, their system. It's a really simple system and it's very common. And at the beginning of the book, that's Job's system. Job assumes that's right at the beginning. But then he realizes it doesn't work. And that's part of the drama of the, of the, of the book. But the, the, other th the other side of it is that Job does sin. He sins in what he says. He sins because he's suffering. <laughs> And because he's suffering, he says things he shouldn't say. And he says some wrong things. So at the end of the book, he does repent. He says, I've said some things I shouldn't have said. So you read Job's speeches and they come from the heart of a real believer. But he said some things he shouldn't say. So when you're reading through all those speeches, you need to bear those markers in, in, in mind. And it is tricky and you probably do need a bit of help. I mean, that's, that's why I've written the commentary, really, because I'm hoping that will help. And, you know, other people write commentaries and you, you ask your friends, don't you? That's what a commentary is. You're just asking a friend. Um, I, I often ask friends. Some of my friends are dead, but, but, but they're on my bookshelves and I still ask them. <laughs> you know, if you read my commentary, you know, you, 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 I'm still alive. But even when I'm dead, you can read my commentary. And it'll still be, you can say, well, I'm going to consult my dead friend, Christopher, and see, see what he thinks. And that's, that, 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 that might help. Now, I thought what might be good, we'll, we'll have some Q&A before I finish. We haven't got very long. But I thought it might be good just to focus in on one particular little bit of the book that isn't the beginning and the end. And, um, you know, lots of sermon series on Job work like this. In, I, I, I don't know whether you've done this so here, so forgive me if you have. But sermon series work like this. The... the, 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 the Whoever's pr planning the, the preaching program says, 
Uh, we better do Job because it's in the Bible. Um, and I didn't quite know how to do it, but maybe we'll give it three Sundays. So the senior pastor says, I'll do chapters one and two. And then he says to, the, he says to one of the assistant pastors, could, could you do the second sermon on chapters three to 37? And then the senior pastor says, I'll do chapters 38 to the end. Exactly the opposite. <laughs> exactly great, great, great. <laughs> Turn, will you, to chapter 28, which is one of my favorite chapters. And it's a wonderful, wonderful little chapter. And we just spent a few minutes in chapter 28. And I thought this might encourage us. So chapter 27, Job has begun his summarizing speech. And then in chapter 28, suddenly, kind of out of nowhere, you get what is possibly the oldest poem in human literature about mining. So out of nowhere, suddenly Job says, verse chapter 28, surely there's a mine for silver and a place for gold that they refine. And you're thinking, well, yeah, there is, but why are you saying that? Iron taken out of the earth, copper smelted from the ore. So we're talking about mining, mining, mining. Man puts an end to darkness. In other words, he goes underground where it's dark and he takes torches and things down there to do his mining. He searches out to the farthest limit, the ore, the iron ore, whatever the, the, the metal is, in gloom and deep darkness. And you get the feel of this extraordinarily dangerous occupation. And mining is still dangerous, isn't it? A friend of mine in, in, in the middle of England is a minister. And just this, this last weekend, he was, they were doing a memorial service for a great mine disaster that they'd had 150 years ago. You'll have mining disasters, won't you, in the, in the US. It's a dangerous business. It was dangerous even, uh, it's dangerous even now, and it was certainly dangerous then. But he's searching. And he opens shafts, mine shafts in a valley away from where anyone lives. So it's a lonely search, forgotten by travellers. It's, it's there they are doing this mining and they're, they're away. They hang in the air. You can imagine them letting themselves down on ropes far away from mankind swinging to and fro. And you feel the, the scariness of this search. As for the earth, that is the top farmland, out of it comes bread. You know, you grow grain. You go to Iowa or somewhere, you see huge grain fields. Um, I mean, Job didn't say Iowa, but, you know, you, you, that, that's what he, at the earth at the top, you get bread there. But underneath, it's turned up as if as by fire. In other words, if you're going to go under, underground, you've got to do explosions and it's dangerous and difficult to get under there. But verse six, not, not a, it's just it's lonely and dangerous. But oh boy, what are you going to find? You're going to find sapphires and gold, verse 6. Very hard to find it, verse 7. You know, an eagle, a bird of prey and a falcon with those extraordinarily sharp eyes that they can hover up in the sky and see everything. But they can't see this because it's, it's hidden and it's, it's underground. Proud beasts, the lion, the king of the jungle hasn't been there. Um, it's inaccessible. It's dark and deep. And, and man puts his hand to the flinty rock 
overturns mountains by the roots in other words you know blows things up and explodes and bashes away and tries to get at this stuff cutting out channel in the rocks his eye sees precious things he dams up streams so they don't trickle there's lots of civil engineering going on and hidden things he brings out to light so you get this picture of mining and you you you, you think um okay job and um, why are you giving us a picture of mining you're telling us about a search which is lonely and hard and dark and difficult and dangerous but it's a search for something precious and valuable so why are you saying that so you're beginning to ask that question and verse 12 begins to answer it job says where shall wisdom be found where is the place of understanding and wisdom or understanding they mean the same thing and wisdom and understanding means the architecture of the universe, how God's made the world, not just how the God's made the world physically, not the kind of thing, not just what science explores, but how's God made the world morally? How does the world work? And you're puzzling, where is it going to be found? A man doesn't know its worth. In other words, it, it, you can't put a price on it. Billion dollars, trillion dollars. If you could understand how the, how the universe worked, it would be worth more than that. It's not found in the land of the living. It's really hard. So, so in the search, verse 12, this poetry, the deep, that is the deep sea. You go down to the deep sea and you say to the deep sea, have you seen wisdom? And the deep sea throws up its hands and says, I don't know, it's not here. And the sea says, it's not here. You can't buy it for gold, silver, the gold of Ophir, the best gold of the ancient East onyx sapphire gold glass fort knox everything you, you you take the lot everything everything you could find even if you are a billionaire trillionaire multi-trillionaire you can't buy wisdom you can't buy understanding how the universe ticks gold and and, and glass which means more than just glass sort of precious jewels um you you you, you coral crystal none of these things it's, it's more expensive, topaz of Ethiopia. He's just kind of, in, a, in the poem, he's saying, let's think of all the, all the riches of the world. You, you, you can't um, give a, put a price on it. Verse 20, here's the question again. Where does wisdom come from? Where's the place of understanding? How are you going to understand? Now, yeah, at that point, you just say to yourself, oh, and 21, it's hidden. Abaddon, a sort of destruction and death. So it's, it's like it's poetry. So you, you, you go down to the depths of the sea and you say, oh, there's death um, standing there with his, his, his sickle, the grim reaper, or a bad and destruction. You say, excuse me, death and destruction, have you seen wisdom? And they say, oh, I don't know. Or, 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 or verse 22, we've heard a rumor of it. Yeah, I met someone in the pub who thought he had a third cousin whose great-grandfather once knew something about it. You know, it's, that's the sort of picture. I don't know. I don't know. And so by the time you get to verse 22, you're thinking, here is a search for something really valuable. You really want to know this. You want to know how the world works. Some of you are younger, some of you are older. You're going through the world. You need to know how the world works. You need to know the advertisers aren't going to tell you how the world works. You need to know how the world works. If you can find out how the world works, it'll be the most precious thing um, ever. 
be worth more than a, a, an income of trillions of dollars. But it's really hard. And Job has been gauged on this painful search. He's been lonely. Job is the miner. Job is the one who's been, been engaged in this lonely, dark, painful search, trying to think, why is, why is the world working like this? Why is what's happened to me happened to me? Why is the world the way the world is? And Job is asking that. And you sort of get an answer. In verse 23, God understands the way to it. He knows its place. Somewhere there is wisdom. Somewhere there are the, the blueprints of the universe. He looks to the ends of the earth. He sees everything. He gave to the wind its weight. He apportioned the waters by measure. He understands. Isn't, isn't weather strange? You watch the CBS reports on Hurricane Dorian and they're saying, well, it might go here and it might go there. Will it hit Florida? Will it hit the Carolinas? And you're not sure, are you? Even the best weathermen in the world, they're not sure where it's going to hit and how strong it's going to be. And, 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 and this is using that sort of language. Here is God. He gave to the wind its weight. He knows exactly where it's going and when and how and how strong and what direction and what the precipitation all of that. He knows exactly something that the biggest supercomputers in the world can't work out. He knows. He understands. He made a decree for the rain. He said, I want you to fall there that much away for the lightning and the thunder. He saw it. He declared it. He established it. He searched it out. He knows. And so you pause there and you think, God knows how the world <laughs> works. But I'm still thinking, I wish I did. Aren't you? And Job is still thinking, I wish I did. It's sort of comforting that there is a creator and that he knows. But I don't know. And I wish I did know. And the final words, and this is the first time the Lord speaks to human beings in the book. He's spoken to the angels in, in chapters one and two, but he, now he speaks to human beings. And he said to man, to human beings, behold, look, if you want wisdom, you need to fear the Lord. If you want understanding, you need to turn away from evil. And you say to yourself, have we come across anybody who fears the Lord and turns away from evil? Come across anyone who's blameless and upright and fears the Lord and turns away from evil? And you think, yeah, we have met somebody like that. He's a real believer. He's Job. And Job has got all the wisdom that it is possible for human beings to get. He doesn't understand. But by fearing God and turning from evil, he's trusting in the one who does. And Job anticipates the Lord Jesus Christ, who in his human life went through all the darkness that Job went through and more. And the book of Job is the most extraordinary anticipation of the sufferings of Jesus. Blameless, upright, fears God fears his heavenly father, turns from evil. More than that, sinless, even more than Job, and suffers. He's like that miner searching in the darkness. And, and in his full humanity, even though he never lost his deity, in some way he didn't make use of that. And he suffered in a way that Job's sufferings, which are dreadful, are just an anticipation of his sufferings. And then you read the Bible and you discover that the sufferings of Job anticipate the sufferings of Jesus and the sufferings of Jesus overflow into the sufferings of his people. 
And you expect, if you're a follower of Jesus, that in some measure you may find yourself walking the same path. And you may find yourself praying Job 28 and thinking, I wish I understood. I really wish I understood. But I'm going to fear the Lord and turn from evil. What am I going to do tomorrow? I wish I understood what was happening to me or to someone I love. I wish I understood and it really hurts. What am I going to do? I'm going to fear the Lord with loving, reverent fear. And I'm going to go on repenting day after day after day. Because God says that's wisdom for human beings. And I'm going to trust him. You've been listening to a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Cornerstone U exists to have our minds renewed by the Word of God, to see who God is, and to live in light of His Word and Gospel. To find out more about previous Cornerstone U classes, visit us on the web at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com forward slash cornerstone U.